pulmonary fibrosis varies from being mild, subtle, stable to rapidly progressive. It often depends on which underlying disease the patient has. That's rheumatologist Anna Maria Hoffman Vold speaking about the unpredictable nature of pulmonary fibrosis. Welcome to Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis, a podcast by Boeringer Ingelheim. I'm Louis, and I'll be joining some extraordinary people affected by this rare condition as they take us along the unique path to diagnosis and beyond. As we have learned so far, pulmonary fibrosis, which may develop in many underlying diseases, is a condition leading to a decline in lung function. But how do you spot such a decline? A lung function test, called forced vital capacity, abbreviated to FVC, plays an important role. Let's hear more from pulmonologist Letitia Kawano dorado When you do a pulmonary function test, you're basically measuring uh, the capacity of the lung to breathe. We measure that by measuring the amount of air that goes in and out. The forced vital capacity is measured by asking the patient to take a deep breath and then blow it all out, all everything out. And by measuring this amount of uh, air that was inside your lung. Most of us aren't aware that we all lose lung capacity as we age. But for people living with pulmonary fibrosis, it happens more quickly. To monitor patients with pulmonary fibrosis, we use mostly pulmonary function tests and more specifically the forced vital capacity. And we all know that throughout life, as we age, we do lose forced vital capacity. So our numbers get slow, but patients with pulmonary fibrosis, the numbers get smaller much faster and can even be accelerated even worse when an acute exacerbation develops. In short, for people living with pulmonary fibrosis, the pace of losing lung capacity is faster and there can be major sudden drops too. An acute exacerbation is a situation where there is an acute or subacute worsening of symptoms, which may be around one month or less, and that is caused by something happening in the lungs. However, the journey with pulmonary fibrosis doesn't follow a specific course. Pulmonary fibrosis may have different disease trajectories, varying from a stable disease for years to a disease that rapidly progresses unrelently. In between these two extremes, there are cases that progress slowly through periods of stability alternating with progression. In all of these situations, an acute exacerbation may develop changing the slope of the disease trajectory, pulling it downwards. There are also differences regarding underlying diseases, as rheumatologist Anna Maria Hoffman Vold explains. Pulmonary fibrosis really affects patients uh, with underlying diseases differently, but also within one disease very differently. In rheumatoid arthritis, we see mostly rapidly progressive patients which lose lung function rather quickly. However, in systemic sclerosis, we also have many patients who have limited disease and are stable over a long time. For this reason, it's important to know the cause. 
this again highlights also the role of a rheumatologist to really make the correct underlying diagnosis to be able to predict also the disease course over time and knowing the severity of pulmonary fibrosis. But what does living with an unpredictable condition feel like for those affected? Let's hear from Melissa from Canada, who lives with chronic hypersensitivity pneumonitis. The unpredictable nature of pulmonary fibrosis can be a real challenge. For me, it's been sort of a very slow roller coaster down. So there's times where things happen and I have an exacerbation and, you know, I'm having more coughing, more trouble breathing, and it can be really challenging processing that you just don't know. And, you know, you ask your doctor and the doctor just doesn't know. They don't know. They can't give you a timeline for when things are going to happen. Ron Fluitt from the UK lives with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, often known as IPF, and describes the sensation of uncertainty that he and his wife experience every time he has a lung function test. IPF does progress in a very unpredictable way. When we go to a hospital appointment, you have your breathing tests. It is very nerve-wracking. We get very nervous waiting to see the consultant because you don't know whether you've progressed a lot, whether it's little. And a major decline in lung function may have huge consequences, like requiring a lung transplant. Melissa and Ron tell us more. I met with the the transplant team um, at the hospital uh, couple months ago and I was sort of trying to pin the doctor down you know at what point at what lung function might I need a lung transplant he said I I just can't tell you everybody's different so that unpredictability for me is is a challenge because I like to know I remember when I had a big exacerbation I lost nine percent and the the consultant delivered the news and to be fair to her she said you know you've dropped nine percent Ron I think I'm going to put you forward for a lung transplant assessment I always remember when she said to me, you dropped 9%. She said, how do you feel about it? I said, well, I suppose at the end of the day, I've got a progressive illness and it's never going to stay stable, is it? It's going to progress. So I've been expecting this day at some point along my journey. These life-altering consequences often come with an enormous emotional burden too. When there's times when I heard some really challenging news, like that first time that I heard probably about four years ago when the doctor said, you know, I think we really actually seriously need to start thinking that this might be the time that you might need a lung transplant. That was that was really, really hard emotionally to kind of process that because you're sort of always keeping that hope that you're not going to have to do that. But still, both agree that there are ways of processing such devastating news. I don't think you can prepare for bad news as such. Me and Maxine, as close as we are, we're given bad news. We come home, we have a cry, we talk about it, we may cry for a couple of days, then we think, right, we dust ourselves down and then we start all over again. I have learned through the years that it's okay to to sit with that and to be sad and upset, um, but also know that I've always gotten through and I've always been able to see the hope and develop new goals after I've had uh, had something, something you know, a, a bad diagnosis or a bad um, breathing test or something like that. 
even in those moments where it's feels like I'm in a crisis, I know that I'm going to get through and I can hold on to that. Especially being diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis is concentrate on the things you can do and not the things you can't. We dust ourselves down and then we try and move on. For Edith Brown from the UK, who lives with scleroderma, the unpredictable nature of pulmonary fibrosis triggers practical questions. We do a lot of travelling and under normal circumstances, I sometimes think, is this wise? Am I going to end up having to seek medical attention abroad, which is a bit scary? But I think you get to a certain stage in life where you have to think about the future anyway, even if you're fit. You know that maybe, you know, you might develop hip problems or knee problems and you might find stairs difficult. So, yeah, having to cope with that and having to come to terms with the fact that you might not be as fit um, for that many years in the future. And I think it's important to have those conversations. At the moment, I live in a four-storey house um, and um, the stairs sometimes are challenging because my breathing sometimes gets so bad I'm really struggling going upstairs. And so we are beginning to think about maybe we need to move to a house which is easier to manage. Being prepared for what the future may bring can already be reassuring. We've got a stair lift now. It's a very old house we live in and we have a stair lift for the, the, the steepest stairs. I've never used it. I have never, ever used it, um, but I know it's there. I'm determined I'm not going to go on that stair lift, but I know it's there just in case I can't manage the stairs. And it's not just patients who have to deal with progression. It affects their care partners and loved ones too. Ron's wife, Maxine, explains being increasingly more wary. The unpredictability of the progression of the disease is one of the things that I've struggled with from word go, because you are aware that any illness, any cold, any flu will make a massive difference to which path you take and how quickly your path changes. I would wrap Ron up in cotton wool if I could in the winter, because I believe that if you don't have an exacerbation because you look after yourself, your path becomes a lot longer because you're not having rapid dips. You're having a slow progression, which can change a bit better. But if you have the big dips from all these, you know, flu or chest infections, pneumonias, it has a big change. And I'm talking about a life-changing dip overnight. Your levels drop so dramatically, you never regain where you were. While it may be worrying for care partners to see their loved ones progress, the emotional support they provide is invaluable. Ron explains the importance of openly speaking about your feelings to get the best support. Always talk to your loved ones. Another bit of advice that I've given to people is I self-referred myself to a local hospice. That's one of the best things I've ever done because during COVID-19, she was one of the few healthcare professionals that phoned me each month, asked me how I was. In fact, one month she noticed that I was slightly depressed and uh, she said, do you mind if I, if I contact your doctor? And she put me on antidepressants for six months. And I hate to admit it, but she was right. A lot of people look at hospices as end of life. I don't. 
I look at it as a support network. Someone's there to support me. Someone there cares about me. She wants to know how I got on with me lung transplant. She, you know, every t- appointment I have, she marks in a diary to phone me four or five days later to ask me how I am and how I feel. And, of course, the unpredictable nature of the condition can make planning for the future a challenge. The unpredictability of the uh, disease and how it progresses has had a huge impact on our future. We would never book anything originally more than eight to nine months ahead. And then that eight to nine months comes down to six months. And then it comes down to a few months. And then it comes down to we'll do things at the last minute. And then it comes down, we have to say to people, we'll say that we'll do this, but we'll see how we feel on the day. You don't actually feel like you've got a future because with the unpredictability, you don't know when things will become that you can't do it. So I know everybody says enjoy every day and live for today and don't worry about tomorrow. But with this disease, with pulmonary fibrosis, you really do live for the here and now. Liam Galvin from Ireland sees unpredictability as an opportunity to live in the now. He is a patient advocate and was a care partner to his wife who had lived with pulmonary fibrosis. Knowing that you have a chronic life-shortening illness does tend to make you make the most of what you've got. Maybe bring that dream holiday forward. Do things what you, while you can. I think it's important to do what you can when you can. And then when things do go poorly, do what you can then. So do what you can while you're able and enjoy what you can do at all times. Edith is also adopting a similar attitude. I do tend to rush at things. I want to do everything now. I want to do everything now because I know that I shouldn't put things off too long. For Melissa, remaining hopeful is an important way to cope with the unpredictability. Maintaining that hope throughout this whole process and that hope changes. In the beginning, it's hope that the disease is going to go away and then that doesn't happen. And then, um, you know, it's hope that I won't progress to needing a lung transplant. And, And then, you know, that's becoming less of a reality. And then it's hope that I can get through successfully, get through a lung transplant. Liam, Melissa, Edith, Ron and Maxine have no doubt about how serious the unpredictability of pulmonary fibrosis is. But still, they rise to the challenge. The unpredictability of, of, of pulmonary fibrosis is really the most terrifying um, aspect of the disease. Everyone knows that it's serious, it progresses, it doesn't ever stop. I think the most positive outcome is that because you can't predict it, don't worry about it. Take precautions, but live your life because you never know what's around the corner. I think for people dealing with that unpredictable nature, everybody's different. I don't focus too much on the past, on, you know, what what coulda, shoulda, woulda been. I really try to focus on this is what I have. Um, this is what I can do right now and making the best of the situation. Life is unpredictable, isn't it? IPF has changed my life immensely. I was chair of a support group. I'm a trustee of a charity. And lots of patients call me for their advice. And it's changed me. It's made me a more caring person. It's changed me as a person. I remain positive. It's just about 
about making the most of what you can do. You know? It's just being human and funny and remembering that life is for living and it's fun. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis podcast. Our next episode will focus on how to manage living with pulmonary fibrosis. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. There, you will also find previous episodes you might have missed. If you have any questions, please reach out to hello at boehringer-ingelheim.com.